Welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast. I hope my awesome audience is doing well. Two audiences here once again. I'm, you know, multitasking. I've got my Instagram live here and I'm also doing this podcast for my audience. So this is going to be gold again, right? Because what I'm doing is I'm uh, thank you everyone on my podcast for writing in and asking questions. And I had a few people on my Instagram story as well ask me some really good questions actually when it comes to health and fitness stuff. And yeah, I'm just going to get stuck straight in straight away. And I just wanted to say one more time, if you want a free training and nutrition plan, right? It's really, really good. All the methods in there have helped hundreds of people. All you've got to do is just go to the show notes on this podcast underneath. You'll see the link, free training plan. Click the link, put your email in there and get it. It's free. Why would you not? It doesn't make any sense. Then you're going to get free value from me on emails as well. So make sure you don't forget to do that. If you listen to this podcast, pause, go to the show notes, bang, get that, and then continue listening. So I'm going to get straight into the questions that I've been asked from my audience first and foremost, right? And I guess I'll kind of start with the fitness stuff first. Uh, there was some personal stuff in there as well. There's uh, my, my girlfriend on the line here on the Instagram live. I don't think, don't think she is at the moment, so uh, the coast is clear. <laughs> uh, jokes. Anyway, let's get in there. So first question I had, right, is obviously to do with fat loss. And I get asked this question a lot, and it's like, I'm sure people can relate to this, right? Give me a give me a thumbs up in the chat box if you can relate to this. But losing stubborn body fat, right, was a question I had and I get all the time. How do I lose? The exact question was, how do I lose stubborn body fat around the stomach? I've tried everything, but I can't seem to lose it. I've managed to get leaner in most other areas, but I have this stubborn fat just hanging around on my stomach. Please help. So this is very common once again. So first and foremost, you have to normalize this because when it comes to stubborn body fat, ultimately, you know, your body doesn't give a shit about your goals. All it cares about is survival. So it will store fat for a reason, right? And think of it this way as well. The first place you lose, I'm sure people can relate to this. The first place you lose fat is generally the last place you're going to lose it, right? So that's generally what happens, right? You might, let's say you're overweight and you want to lose fat around your stomach. You've got a bigger reservoir of fat to lose around there, right? So you're going to lose it first from the stomach. Surprise, surprise. But then what happens is you'll get stubborn body fat, which just sits around and it doesn't move. So how do we lose it? Now, just to give you some context, I, you know, I used to compete as a bodybuilder, as most people know here. And I actually used to coach people for the stage as well. That's what I used to do years ago. I used to prepare people to get on the stage. And what I used to find is some of the athletes I used to coach they would get super lean. Like I had guys in single figure body fat percentages, right? Below 10%, which is lean, right? I mean, most people are going to see abs pop in unless you've got, unless you're not gifted with genetics. Some people have to have, some people can have like 7% body fat and still not have abs. But for the most part, you're going to have abs. And they would still have a little bit of body fat sitting around, right? Around the midsection. So it just goes to show you, you can get super lean and still have stubborn body fat. I guess I'm quite, Maybe you could say lucky with my genetics, I think. I'm pretty lucky in terms of like this kind of skin that I have and stuff. I just don't really, I mean, I'm lean all year round anyway, and I've been training for two decades, etc. And I eat extremely well, but I don't really have noticeable stuff. Obviously, I've got fat there, of course, on my lower stomach, but it's not like, you know, sometimes you can get it and it kind of sits there and it's more noticeable. So how you shift that, right? I'm sorry about this, but the answer is always going to be it really depends Okay. It really depends. So, okay. My Instagram live is just reconnected. So it really depends on how you lose it. Right. So first thing I'm going to say is you need to effectively be focusing on gram training 
all the usual stuff. So strength training, having really high protein. If you're not having super high protein, I would say that if you haven't done this, if you're someone who's already having quite high protein, right? If you're having, let's just say you're having a gram per pound of your body weight, right? Ramp that up to 1.5 grams per pound of your body weight, right? Ramp it right up to the top end, even up to two grams per pound of body weight. Oh, no, I wouldn't say two grams, sorry, 1.5 grams. Per, so essentially super high protein consistently. And look, if you're not having high protein, you're not going to lose stubborn body fat. It's as simple as that. You need to get that metabolism working harder for a start. Then it's just going to be consistent strength training. And with strength training and actually focusing on building muscle, so not just go into the gym, you know, namby pamby, as we say in the UK, and not doing it properly and just doing freestyle workouts. After actually having structure and building muscle with purpose, like I do with my clients, it's very purposeful. Purposeful. How can we get maximum results for the time you spend in the gym? And when you fill the skin out with muscle, you know, it can and develop your abs more, by the way, as well, developing your abs and build the muscle around your midsection. I've talked about this on one of the other podcasts. There's another common question I get. How do I develop my abs? First of all, connect to your core properly. You know, essentially, essentially the core is the hardest muscle group to connect to and actually activate properly. So train the core properly with intention, with good technique, first and foremost, and then start adding weights. Decline sit-ups, when you get good at them, add weight. Or Roman chair sit-ups. Type in Roman chair sit-ups. Shout out Mind Pump. Mind Pump have got a great video on this on YouTube. Roman chair sit-ups. Get good at them with your own body weight first. You shouldn't be able to do them with weight to start. Otherwise, you're not doing them right. Your own body weight's going to be hard enough. When you get up to, say, 12 reps, then add some weight on that. And that's going to develop your abs. What happens when you develop your abs? You make them more prominent. And then ultimately, you don't notice the stubborn body fat as much. And your midsection just looks tighter. But to actually lose the stubborn body fat and, and get rid of that little bit that you've got there, which might be really frustrating for you, and it can be any, in any area of the body. For men, it's always going to be abs, lower back, and then it's going to be around the, the chest. All right, that's going to be the kind of three places men tend to store it the most. Females is going to be midsection, thighs, hips primarily, and then sometimes around the back of the arms more so as well. But generally, when we talk about the midsection, because that's the, the question, you need to be doing mini bulks and mini cuts. So most people, they do cardio, you know, they do weight training. It's just not structured. It's not dialed. It's just like, and it's good. If you enjoy doing all that stuff and you, 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 you know, it, it's a trade-off. If you're enjoying what you're doing, you're fit, you're healthy, you're lean, everything's good. Fantastic. Keep doing it. Who am I to tell you to switch things up, right? But if you're asking me a question, I want to lose this stubborn body fat and it's really frustrating you, then you've got to have a strategy. So with clients, what I'll do and with myself and people I used to coach back in the day when I used to get them even on stage, this is all relative, even off stage when they weren't competing. It was like build muscle, do a mini bulk. So you have to basically increase your calories essentially to lose that stubborn body fat. So for example, you have to go through a period of say four weeks with my clients. We combine this with a training phase. So let's just say they do a training phase. It depends. They do a training, a specific training phase for four weeks. Then what will happen is we'll bump the calories up then. So we'll bump the calories up and basically that'll speed their metabolism up and they might actually drop a little bit of body fat. They might drop a little bit of stubborn body fat and then we will bring the calories back down for the next training phase then. So we'll put them into like a, a mini cut for the next phase. So it'll be mini bulk for four weeks where we increase calories, put them into a little bit of a surplus and then we'll put them into a little bit of a deficit then, a mini cut for four weeks, three or four weeks, you know, on the next training phase and chip away some of that body fat. But a lot of the times, people really need to just increase their calories and focus on reverse dieting and basically doing that for a period of time. So most people haven't done this. They're trying to lose stubborn body fat, but they've never done reverse dieting. 
they've never increased calories consistently combined with a proper strength training program and focused on building muscle. Essentially, that's what reverse dieting is. It's slowly increasing calories very slowly and building muscle then as well. So, you know, following a proper training program and doing that properly. That's essentially what most people need to do to answer that question. That speeds the metabolism up. Sometimes you lose a bit of stubborn body fat by increasing calories, believe it or not, and being in a little bit of a, a surplus for the most part, because as your metabolism speeds up, you drop into a deficit for like a few days and your body chips away at the stubborn body fat and then the metabolism catches up and you're back in the surplus. So without complicating things, reverse dieting, mini bulks, mini cuts. But to do that, you have to have a strategy. You know, you can't just be guessing yourself, but to chip away at that stubborn body fat, that is exactly what you need to do to answer that question, right? So the next question, this is really annoying. Uh, sorry, ladies and gents on the podcast, but it's actually really annoying me because it keeps popping up on the screen in front of me on Instagram Live. Connection lost, connection pause, connection pause. So I might just get rid of this Instagram Live soon. Sorry, ladies and gents, because it's really annoying me and putting me off. Anyway, moving on to the next question. How to bring up lagging body parts? And then they put, I struggle with chest and shoulders. What should I do? This is a good question because most of us, you know, females, for example, I get this, asked this question a lot. How do I build my glutes? Females want to get a big ass nowadays, right? Which is fantastic. I love that. I'm all for, I'm all for a big booty. You know what I mean? I'm going to be straight with you. It's, it's non-negotiable to me. I said this to Janini, you know, full transparency. Glutes, you know, are very important. And let's be honest, women now, they want to really build muscle. And that's what I love about this day and age now. Women want to lift heavy weights. They want to build glutes. You can call me superficial for saying that. I don't really care. <laughs> By the way, what I just said, you know, building glutes, basically. Women ask me all the time. This guy's ask about chest and shoulders, but we all have lagging body parts. A lot of that is like genetics as well. I'm going to use Janini as an example here. I'm sure she won't mind. Luckily for her, she has a fantastic problem that most women would not die for. That's a bit extreme. Uh, would love to have. And that is uh, her glutes. She's, she, I don't know whether it's like Brazilian genetics or whatever, but she's lucky anyway. Her glutes just, she only has to look at someone doing hip thrusts or a squat and her glutes just blow up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so her glutes just, just respond really, really well, but her legs don't respond as well. And she's always trying to build quads and bring her legs up and get them, I guess, more in proportion with her glutes, which I think they're pretty much in proportion, but she's aware that they're not. But her legs don't respond as well as her glutes. So I've helped her with like a training program now. And a lot of that is going to be genetics. So that is definitely genetics playing a part in that. But when it comes to, just to answer this guy's questions, let's just go back to chest and shoulders. So basically, the first thing is you need to be connecting to those muscle groups properly. I always say this. But what I see a lot of the times, and what I saw mainly as like a personal trainer, when I was like face-to-face -face training people, they would say, oh, you know, I struggle to bring up this body part. And then you would just notice that actually they just not, the technique's not good enough. They're not connecting well to the muscles. They're not doing specific mobility movements prior to lifting, which is what I do with most of my clients is we'll prime their body before lifting weights for them to activate that body part better. We'll spend about 10 to 20 minutes doing mobility at the start of the workout, which really helps you connect to those muscle groups. And then for example, chest and shoulders, you do shoulder mobility movements at the start of the uh, workout. And then boom, you get a better connection to those body parts. But yeah, working on technique and the mind-muscle connection is really, I wouldn't say number one, but that's very, very important. So doing mobility and having good technique and making sure you really connect into those muscles. And what I would say is, you know, the best way to do this is aim for like a an eight to 12 rep range and do slow reps, okay? And focus on just honing in on technique, like really slow tempo, really lightweight, slow reps, and focus on really connecting to that muscle group and actually feeling the tension 
Because ultimately, what you got to remember as well, especially when it comes to bringing up lagging body parts, if you remember this little simple analogy, it's not really an analogy actually, but you know, the muscles are effectively thick as shit. As we say in the UK, they're dumb. They have no idea what's going on. The brain is the smart piece. So your mind-muscle connection has to be on point. You have to be sending a signal. You have to be applying as much tension as you can to your muscles, depending on the type of rep range you're doing. But in this scenario, 8 to 12 rep range, maximum tension, and basically connecting to that body part properly. The muscles have no idea what's going on. They don't know how much weight you're lifting. The muscles don't know how much weight you're lifting at all. So you can use a lightweight. Like people look at me in the gym, for example. I don't care anymore. And a lot of the times I'm lifting lightweights. I don't give a shit. I'm lifting less than some of the women sometimes, right? But I know, but I've been, okay, without sounding big-headed, I'm probably in the best shape in the gym, which is important to me. I like to look good. So I'm doing something right, right? But it's all about the connection to the muscles and doing it properly. It's all about the skill of each movement. So that's going to be number one, to bring your chest, shoulders, glutes, quads, whatever, technique. The next thing then is going to be training the body parts more frequently. And this is where I see a lot of people, and with the right intensity, a lot of people just don't, they don't get this right. They really don't. So basically, for example, if you struggle with chest and shoulders, like this guy asked, you want to be, for example, training the, doing at least two or three, hitting the chest and shoulders at least two or three times per week. Here's a little tip, right? And I use this with clients and I do this myself. Try to do this and come back to me in a few weeks, literally a few weeks and thank me. So basically, you know, spread the volume out. So rather than doing like, you can use this on any body part. If you struggle with glutes, quads, abs, whatever, right? Abs, you've got to be careful with. Can't do too much volume. But chest and shoulders, right? Boom. Do, uh, instead of doing like one session on chest and one session on shoulders, split that into three sessions. So do instead of doing an hour on chest and an hour on shoulders, two separate parts of the week, do 20 minutes on a Monday, 20 minutes on a Wednesday, 20 minutes on a Friday on chest and shoulders. So you're doing this, and you can do the same amount of sets, same amount of volume. Read that out over three sessions, right? Pick different exercise each time. Maybe on Monday, you might do, you know, an incline bench press and incline chest flies. And then for shoulders, you might do uh, overhead shoulder press with a bar and lateral raises. On a Wednesday, you might do a flat bench press. You get where I'm going with this, right? Different exercises, all free weights. 20 minutes Monday, 20 Wednesday, 20 Friday. And then if you really want to bring them up and you want to take them to the next level, on a Tuesday and Thursday, for example, get the resistance bands, get the rubber bands out, the long bands with the handles on the end, right? Literally do eight to 10 minutes at home. Do pick no more than three exercises for chest, for example. You could do chest flies, chest press, and then another type of chest fly, for example, right? Boom. Do 10 to 20 reps, three rounds with no rest on each exercise. Light, really low intensity. This is important, though. Don't go heavy with the intensity or heavy with the bands. Low intensity and just get a pump up. up. This is really important. It's not a workout. You're just going to get a pump on. Get a pump on that body part and stop. You could do the same with shoulders as well. Get a pump on and then stop, right? Literally 8 to 10 minutes on a Tuesday and Thursday. Just do that. Right, that's going to aid recovery, and it's also going to send the muscle building signal. But don't go hard. Intensity low, get a pump on and then stop. Again, you could do that on any body part. You could do that on like glutes. You could do even some body weight hip thrusts. You know what I mean? You could do some stuff with the bands to get a good pump on your glutes on the days in between. You could do this with any body part. On legs, instead of doing a, an hour on legs, on a Monday, for example, and then not doing nothing to the next week, spread it out. 20 minutes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Same difference, yeah? spreading that volume out sends that muscle building signal more frequently and is proven in research to get way better results in terms of building muscle. Because like I said before, that muscle building signal will die completely after two to three days. It's dead. You're no longer sending that muscle building signal. So you've got to send that signal, that anabolic signal more frequently, right? So they're kind of the main tips 
I would say for lagging body parts. And then the other thing then is just recovery. It's like you've got to recover properly to be building them. So, and not pushing them, not doing too much intensity. If you're hammering the intensity, it's not going to work. Doing what I said there is not going to work if you're hammering the body parts too much. If you're doing 20 minutes and you're absolutely blasting the body part to the point where two days later when you go to train them again, you're still aching, that's too much. And your body's going to re- re- uh, prioritize recovery over building muscle, essentially. So it's not going to work if you go too hard with the intensity. All right, cool. So the next question then is, I'm not going to, I was going to say the names of the people. It doesn't really matter though. Do they put on here on, this is an Instagram question, too scared to increase calories and build muscle uh, due to fat gain is holding me back. What can I do to overcome this? So this is a very common problem again. And I've seen this happen with some of my highest performing clients where they were stuck for a long, long time, essentially years and not really getting results. So if they did, they weren't like, you know, drastic results. And that's simply because they were really afraid. Like I used to struggle with this so I can relate to this. They were really afraid of increasing calories because they were worried about gaining fat. I'm sure people can relate to this, right? Really worried, big psychological barrier. Didn't want to increase the calories because they didn't want to gain fat. And therefore what happens, they just didn't see results didn't see their body respond and they got really, really frustrated. And that's when they ended up reaching out, to be honest. So the best way to, I mean, it really depends again on the individual because a lot of people have different levels of body image issues. Some people don't, but a lot of people do have body image issues. They have internal problems, self-worth. They could even go back to childhood. It really depends on how drastic, you know, you struggle with the negative self-talk, et cetera, about your body. But it could just simply be, you're already in good shape. You're already confident but you want to get to the next level and you're scared to increase calories in case you go backwards and gain fat. So to answer this question, number one, what you need to do is you need to have a proper game plan when you do this. I've said this many a times before, but this is a rational fear because what a lot of people do is when they try building muscle or bulking, so to speak, right? People increase calories too much. They increase calories too much and they just gain a ton of fat. So they might be bulking, but they'll gain, let's say they're bulking for three months and they'll gain, let's just say six kilos or in pounds, like let's just say they gain 15 pounds of fat and they only gain three pounds of muscle or four pounds of muscle. And then, you know, when you want to cut and you want to get rid of that fat, you've got a massive job ahead of you. You've got to try and lose, you know, all that fat whilst retaining that tiny amount of muscle you've built and essentially doing it wrong. And you're not, a, you're probably going to struggle to lose all that fat anyway, and you're going to just look worse and feel worse. And B, you've got a massive job ahead of you, and it's just like more hassle than it's worth. And ultimately, you're not really going to make progress long-term that way or much progress. So that's what most people do. The sweet spot when you're gaining is to basically build, be building twice as much muscle as you are fat. That's the sweet spot. So if you gain, let's just say, two pounds of muscle in a month, then you want to be gaining a pound of fat maximum, right? And when you do that, to be honest, I mean, it depends on where you're at and how much fat you've got to lose. I've said this before, you know, if you've got a, a certain amount of fat to lose or whatever, or, you know, you've never tried this before, you've never done, you've never increased your calories, then it's likely that you might lose fat and build muscle for two to three months. So you actually build muscle and lose fat simultaneously. I've mentioned this before, but at some point, if you really want to build muscle and you want to get better aesthetics, uh, you want to develop your metabolism, you want to improve your relationship with food because that's what tends to happen when you reverse diet for a long period of time. Most people need to do this for a long time, like six to 12 months, basically. Most people need to reverse diet. 
to actually get to a point where they can make their results more sustainable. So the metabolism is more developed and they built more muscle and B just to add muscle to their body. Right. So they, they, they can actually warrant doing a cut. You've got enough muscle on your body to actually do a cut. If that makes sense to actually look good and everything else. But anyway, not to go off too much, you need to be doing it strategically. So you should be building twice as much muscle as you are fat. And then ultimately, you know, you need to focus on everything other than the physique when you build a muscle. Basically, I always say to clients, you know, like for example, it's getting colder now here in, in Australia, although it doesn't get that cold, right? I mean, in the mornings, it gets quite cold in the evenings. I said to a client yesterday, you know, because he was having a bit of a battle with this in terms of like, he's getting great results. He's actually lost fat and built muscle, but because he still wants to lose fat, and he's been on the program for three months, he wants it, but he knows the goal is reverse dieting right now and to continue to build muscle, develop his metabolism, develop his relationship with food, increase his testosterone levels and keep going down the list. He was having that battle in his head. And although, you know, people are noticing as well, like even his, his girlfriend said to him, we've lost fat and built muscle. You know, you can see your abs more and you've packed on, he's five kilos heavier, right? Work this out. They're like, you know, 12 pounds heavier over 90 days, but he's actually lost fat as well, right? Which is fantastic. Um, but he was, I said to him, look, man, now it's getting colder. Put your hoodie on, right? When you go to the gym, put your hoodie on. So you're not even looking at the body. I know sometimes for, it is good. Like Arnie said, I don't want to go off too much, but Arnie always said, you know, you want to see the body parts you're working. Personally, I like to see the body parts that I'm working because it kind of motivates me when I'm training. But if you're, if you're too focused on the body and the fat loss and everything else, and you keep fixating on that, go to the gym, put your hoodie on and just do your workout with your hoodie on. You know what I mean? You get a good sweat on, which it doesn't make any difference for results. But, you know, it just takes the attention away from that and just focus on your performance in the gym. So I always get my, we, we track everything. We don't do any guesswork, right? So we track workouts, we track strength gains, we set goals and performance. A lot of the times, whether that be pull-up goal, squats, bench press, whatever that is, specific goals with, with strength or it could be mobility. And that takes their attention away then. It helps them focus on the performance instead of continuously focusing on the body um, and ultimately just focusing on health all the time. And if you have an issue with the scales, put the scales away. I've done this with a lot of clients. Get the scales out of sight. If you're someone who gets anxious and disheartened every time you jump on the scales, get the sales out of sight. It's going to hold you back, my friend. All right? It's going to hold you back. So don't weigh yourself. Don't even take pictures, right? If you're someone who has really bad body image issues, like I've done this with, with certain clients where we don't take pictures, or if we do, we do them not frequently at all. We do them every now and then just so we can see you know, where they're at and stuff like that. That's only with a handful of clients, but it does happen. So you got to take the attention away from the body, away from all that stuff, and just focus on, you know, your training programming, your performance in the gym, getting good sleep, your food choices, and essentially making sure you're hitting your targets with your protein, you know, your macros, all those kind of things. And just really focusing on all that stuff, which is going to get you results. And like I always say, focusing on health, all those health markers I talked about, paying attention to those things. Gut health is a big one as well. If your gut health's off, you're not going to get as good results. You're not going to build muscle. Good luck with that. Because I used to get terrible gut health issues and I didn't, my body stopped responding. You know, that's, you know, true health does start in the gut. So gut health and sleep, like up there were the most important things really. So dialing those things in and just really honing in on those things. And ultimately your body's going to start looking better and you're going to build more muscle and get stronger. And it takes your attention away from the body, right? So I know I went quite deep on that question, but it's really, really necessary. And I could keep talking about that because it is specific to the individual, which is why, you know, when I take people on, you know, and this is why I say it depends it a lot, a lot on a podcast or Instagram live, because it really does depend on the individual. And to be honest, I would even say to be wary about people. I mean, 
I give generalized information and generalized answers because I have to, because I'm speaking to the masses right now. I'm speaking to a certain type of person. I know my audience. However, a lot of the times I will say it depends because I'm making you aware that it may be different to you. There may be variances for you. Okay. It's not going to be a one size fits all always. So remember that when you ask a coach a question or you ask someone a question, or if you find someone constantly giving you the answer, the answer, the answer, the answer, the answer, without saying it depends, especially when it comes to health and fitness, then you've got to be a little bit wary. Okay. Cause a good coach will, will, will tend to say that from time to time. It depends. So anyway, moving on to the next ones, before I get to the personal ones, I think this is a fact, I'm not sure I'm going to get through all these now, but this is a fantastic question because this is something that I've struggled with mainly with not struggle, but some of my best female clients who are mothers have had this problem and they had this mindset problem where they would, and even people who reach out where they would say, you know, I essentially struggle. I, I feel selfish making time for myself to like train and stuff like that because I have two kids or I have a kid or whatever. And then because of that, then I'm not putting my self-care first and I'm putting everyone and everything else before myself. And then as a result of that, you know, no shit. Essentially the person feels like shit, lacking confidence, lacking energy, and they're just not at their best, you know, stressed out more, sleep's not as good and all the, all the negative side effects that come with not taking care of yourself and putting yourself first. And my perspective on this, when people say, you know, I, I have to be selfish to do this and you know, I feel selfish when I'm training and taking that hour out of my day to train when I have a kid to look after. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. There's only so many hours you have in a day. You've got to, you have a kid to feed and take care of, right? However, you know, I would say, and I'm not saying this is a direct hit. Look, I'm not a mother, obviously, right? So by the way, being a mother is the hardest job in the world. You know, I was almost pretty much brought up by a single mother. So I know single-handedly how hard that is, but ultimately it's selfish not putting yourself first. This doesn't always relate just to mothers. This relates to just health in general and taking care of yourself. It's selfish not putting yourself first, right? Hear me out on this, right? The reason why it is, is because ultimately, if you don't put your self-care first, as the old saying goes, you can't pour from an, em from an empty cup, right? You cannot pour from an empty cup. In other words, if you're not training, eating well, whatever your self-care looks like, going out for your walks, doing your best to prioritize your sleep, although I know that's going to be hit and miss for a mother who asked this question, right? I know that's out of your control all the time. You're not getting sunlight when you can or trying to get out in nature when you can. I know you can't do all these things, but simply just showing up in the gym and training, for example, then you know that you're not going to be serving at your best. Your mood's not going to be as good. Your emotional and mental health are, are going to be down. Your physical health is not going to be as good. You're not going to be as fit and healthy, which is going to have a ripple effect on your mental and emotional health. It's all a knock-on effect. Therefore, you're likely to be more snappy, more short-fused. Your energy levels are going to be lower. You're going to get dipped in energy. So effectively, it's being selfish because you're not showing up at your best for your kids, for the people around you, for potentially your professional life. You're not going to be... And you can lie to yourself and say, you know, yeah. And this is... I'm not just talking about mothers in particular. I'm just talking about health in general. I want to make this more general. Good lie to yourself and say, yeah, you know, I'm still doing well in my career and stuff like that. Okay, fantastic. You might be doing well, but you'll do way better when you take care of yourself. You're always going to be more productive, sharper, more mental clarity, make better decisions. Like I'll tell you this firsthand now, if I'm not putting my health first, I am not going to show up on my best. No way. Right. And until you optimize things, optimize your body, right? No pun intended there. But until you optimize things, you never know what that feels like anyway. Right. So anyway, long story short. You have to find time. And this is why I always say to my clients, you know, at the start of the week, what are you doing for self-care? And I'll say this sometimes on a coaching call on a Monday morning or Friday, I'll say, right, what are you, like Friday, 
what are you doing for self-care or sorry on a monday morning what are you what, what are you doing for self-care this week and that could be like for me it's like my jiu-jitsu on certain days getting to the gym you know getting out in nature a few times a week going for a coffee with my girlfriend self-care looks different for everyone right so I, although those things are kind of non-negotiable for me anyway, and the days might change, I might have more of a stressful day with work, and I might not sleep as well one night, so I'll chop and change things up, but I'll have those non-negotiables, for example, like two jiu-jitsu classes a week, getting to the gym, I'm going to ramp that up to three times again now, I've got that jiu-jitsu comp out of the way, you know, getting out in nature, going to the park nearby, or going to the ocean, you know, two to three times in a week, I'll set those minimum non-negotiables, the minimum is two times, the maximum is three times, so minimum and maximum non-negotiables for your self-care really, really helps. And just really factoring that in. So just remember that, right? I want you to remember that. From my perspective, I think is a good way to look at it. And it's not to feel bad about things. There's only so much you can fit in. But the minimum, you could do more. If you're doing nothing, you could do something, right? Even if it's going for a walk. If you're not doing any training, you're struggling to find time. You've got two, three kids, right? You haven't, you've got zero time, right? Find time by just simply going for a walk. Get outside, okay? Manage your time a bit better at the start of the week, you know? Do your best, essentially, to make time for yourself and simply go on for a walk. Those simple things, right? Movement is medicine. It doesn't have to be anything drastic. Like, people always try and go from zero to 100. That's the problem with most people. They set unrealistic targets with self-care. Like, I'm going to train six days a week. That's not going to work. Like, you're not even getting to the gym. And you, you think you're going to do five days a week. Scrap that. You're not going to sustain that. That's going to put you in a worse position. How about you start with trying to get to the gym twice this week, being as you've been doing zero? This is the problem with most people. They try and do all or nothing. And then they, they spin their wheels for their whole life, essentially. So anyway, I like to have a little rant on these things because I see these problems time and time again with people that reach out in the DMs and you know all the, all the clients that I've coached in the past, et cetera. So I have got a few more questions that I had to answer here. I'm just going to pick one now because I'm going to have to wrap this up. And then I'm going to stay on them for, uh, for, for a couple of questions. What's going to be the most valuable question here to answer? I'm going to try and get through two, right? So the one was, I heard you mention calorie cycling on a recent podcast. What are the benefits of doing this? I eat the same calories and macros every single day and is wondering if I should switch this up. Fantastic question. So I talk about this in the past and I always, um, you know, I'm, I'm big on this with clients and it's essentially called undulating calories. Now, what are you going to look at? With, I'm not going to, I'm going to try and make this short and sweet. With the metabolism, it's changing every minute, every second, based on your environment, based on your lifestyle, based on the training you're doing, how much sleep you're getting, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're, say, trying to hit a certain macro target, you might be trying to hit a certain amount of protein, fats, and carbs and calorie target, right, for your goal, whether you build a muscle or lose a weight. Essentially, it's always going to be, it depends on what, the most important thing is, I've said this before, when calories and protein are equated for, nothing else matters when it comes to body composition anyway. So if your goal is to build muscle or lose fat, nothing, your fats and carbs don't make any difference. They do make a difference to performance, et cetera. So they can have a knock-on effect to your results. But in black and white, hitting protein target and having the right amount of calories for your goal, those two things are the only things that matter. So with that being said, if you're hitting the same calories every single day and you're that kind of person who hits exactly the same amount of calories every day, you're going to benefit more from undulating your calories, right? And cycling your calories. So for example, uh, with my clients, what I'll get them to do is on their days where they're doing like a full body workout, so more of an intense workout or potentially they're doing like a, a leg session, depends on what type of program they're doing, like basically a more intense workout. I'll say, okay, on that day, you're probably naturally going to feel more hungry. So what you could do is like the night before, for example, you could have a big meal and carb up the night before ready for that session, especially if you train in the morning. Or just on the day you do that workout, just have more calories. 
So let's just say they're hitting their calorie target is 2000 calories. I always say to the client, so that's 14, so always look at it this way, my friend, with calories, right? If your calorie target is 2000, for example, 14,000 calories over the week, that's the way you should look at it over a weekly basis. Again, the metabolism is not a day-by-day thing. It's always changing. It's always free-flowing. So don't look at it like a day-by-day thing, like a clock, because it's not that simple. Metabolism is very complex, for example, right? So for example, on the day you do your big heavy lifting session, or you, let's say you've got a lagging body part, right? So going back to that, you're trying to bring your legs up. So you're doing a monster leg session one day, have higher calories on that day to fuel your workout and to send more of an anabolic signal to build muscle. So you could have, let's say, two and a half thousand calories on that day. And the next day where you're doing a lighter workout, or perhaps you're having a recovery day, 1500 calories, right? So as long as you're averaging roughly your calorie target over the week, then that's the thing that matters. And what happens when you undulate your calories is it actually almost throws like a curveball for your metabolism. So it essentially is shocking the system a bit, throwing a curveball. And what it does then is it, it can fuel performance, like I say, by having more calories. It changes certain hormones, so it'll increase, for example, by having higher calorie days. Number one, it, it's a good psychologically because you look forward to it. Number two it can boost it. It will. It generally will. It's been proven in research to boost leptin levels. Leptin is the hormone, which is, is called the satiety hormone. So it's a hormone that sends a signal from the gut to the brain to tell you you're full and there's enough food coming. So sometimes when you're having lower calories, that leptin levels drop. So all these things do change. A lot does change when you're doing that. Uh, in fact, they're just using Janini as an example as well. I love talking about Janini because she's uh, really adva- uh, really kind of disciplined with this stuff. I literally just saw her then. And uh, she was saying, all right, you know, should I have a higher carb or higher calorie day on this day? And I was like, yeah, do it on this day where you're doing this workout because that's going to, you know, that's going to fuel your workout more and it's more of a strenuous workout, right? So, yeah, so undulating calories really, really helps for metabolism, throwing a curveball psychologically, potentially boosting testosterone levels and leptin levels. So a lot does happen when you do that. And another simple thing as well, Another benefit from ca- uh, calorie cycling, I say to clients, uh, if you've got social event, always plan ahead. I always say this, right? Plan ahead to the weekend. Depends on which level the client's at, whether or not they're tracking food, etc. But I always say plan ahead and bank your calories up for the weekend. If you've got a big social event on, you know you're going to eat more calories or drink more alcohol, whatever that looks like to you, bank more calories up in the week. So if your calorie target is 1,500 calories, let's say, then in the week, how about you have a few days where, let's say you had two days where you had 1,200 calories. That means you banked up 600 calories for the weekend. So it gives you more wiggle room on the weekend and more flexibility. So that's another benefit of uh, cycling calories. I did have a few more questions, but I'm not going to be able to get to them. I, I might include these on a later podcast. So I'm going to kind of wrap that up there. I think I answered the questions which were, I think, the most beneficial. Uh, but just to summarize this podcast episode, I'd like to say that I know I went kind of everywhere with this, but what you got to look at is you always got to look at, because you know everything I talk about here always comes down to health again, and you've got to look at my journey. And when I was driven primarily by aesthetics, I still like to look great. You know what I mean? Like I haven't lifted weights for two weeks. I was doing that jujitsu comp. You know, I still look fantastic. You know, arguably I look a bit better <laughs> because I'm probably a little bit leaner from all the, all, all the jujitsu I was doing and I was eating less, et cetera. But you know, what's getting me back to the gym now, you know, yes, I like to have a little target and look a little bit bigger, I guess, but it's not a driver for me. What's getting me back to the gym now is like, yes, I enjoy that shit. Firstly, for me, I know this is different to most people. The gym is like my comfortable place. You know, jujitsu is uncomfortable for me. The gym is comfortable. It's like, uh, 
you know, it's like brushing my teeth going to the gym. It's my natural habitat, right? It's that's where I spent most of my life training people, right? Obviously, I don't train people face to face anymore, uh, but it's comfortable for me. But where I was going with this is, you know, I, I want to go back there because I know the the feelings that I get from lifting, you know, that endorphin release, that that boost in testosterone levels I get, and dopamine. It does something to my brain and to my mental, my emotional health, my energy, my mood. You know what I mean? My libido. You know, I, I like to drop this one in there. I don't know whether why why this is ego, but my, you know, people say this. I ask clients, as male clients, I'm like, yeah, you're going to notice a difference in libido. And they always go, yeah, my libido is good. I don't have any issues with that. <laughs> it's like an ego thing. So I just want to put that out there. There's no issues with my libido. But what I do notice is when I boost my testosterone levels, obviously from lifting weights, I notice a bigger boost in libido, which uh, which is always noticeable. So all those things I pay attention to and everything else just levels up in my life. So that's what really gives me excitement to get there. But more importantly, like I mentioned before, that self-discipline has to be rewarded. I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. So for me, all those rewards that I get and the excitement I get from putting that music on at the gym, and it's a grind sometimes. I don't always enjoy it when I'm there, always. But when I get into the flow and I leave the gym and I grab that coffee, that coffee's always my reward. I think that's an important thing as well. For you, it could look like you know having a nice protein shake afterwards. For me, it's having a coffee. I don't have coffee before. I have a coffee afterwards. So I always wait until at least 90 minutes after waking to have my coffee because research shows that, it, you know, Andrew Huberman said it boosts mood and energy and research. So I started doing it. And what I'm doing then is I'm hydrating more as well. I, I drink a liter of water basically upon waking as well. So I, I have that reward after training and that's what really keeps me going. So again, it always goes back to health. But having those rewards there as well could really, really help and give you that kind of intrinsic motivation because that self-discipline has to have some enjoyment involved, right? But it always comes back down to you focusing on taking care of yourself and self-care and ultimately self-love, right? And, you know, I was talking to clients about this yesterday, but the leading cause in research, overwhelmingly, by the way, it's not even close, uh, the leading cause of unhappiness is lack of self-love. And that self-love come from treating your body like someone you care about as kind of hippie-ish and woo-woo as that sounds. That's the, that's the mindset you have to have as opposed to being driven by self-hate, like hating certain parts of your body and training purely out of insecurities uh, just for vanity reasons. Don't get me wrong. You might still have that as a reason, which, you know, I want to look good, fantastic, and improve the way my body looks. Most people do. But when it's driven by self-hate, instead of treating your body like someone you care about, it's not going to last, my friend, right? So I'd like to finish there. Uh, and with that, I'm going to be over and out. And for people listening back to the podcast, Please go and give me, straight after listening, please give me a rate and a review on Spotify or iTunes. It'll take you literally the best part of a minute, and it would really help this podcast get more noticed and get more people uh, having essentially life-changing information. So please go and do that or share it on your story. If you like this podcast, just please tag me and share it on your story. I'd love to know where you're at in the world as well and connect with you, at Martin Silver Fitness. Give me a tag on your story. Give it a share on your Instagram story and or give me a rating and review. Thanks for listening. By the way, next week, awesome episode coming with my A-grade client who's just finished her 90 days of the program, Carissa. She's had, she dropped 30 inches off her body within 90 days of coaching, right? And three dress sizes she dropped, okay? More importantly though now, she has a disabled son who's nine years old. Maybe he's just turned 10, actually. I get confused who's... Yeah, I think he's just turned 10 anyway. Nine or 10 years old. And essentially, he has this disability. He has um, cerebral palsy, unfortunately. And um, she is now strong enough. Her strength, she had, she made... She hit PBs within the first month of coaching in the gym. And because of that, her son now feels like a feather. 
by the way, he weighs over 50 pounds and she's teaching him how to walk again and stuff like that. And now because of her strength, she said it feels like a feather. You know, she can basically teach him how to walk. She can carry him around now with ease and what she couldn't do before she was really struggling with. So that's been the biggest win for her, of course, right? Because that's number one for her. Um, but all those other benefits, the incredible benefits she's had physically has been insane. And she's going to be sharing. I'm going to ask her questions about, you know, how she's achieved this, you know, what she's done with nutrition, mindset barriers that she's had to overcome and the lessons she's learned. It's just going to be a ton of value in this episode next week, ladies and gents, right? So make sure you tune into this. And yeah, we've got some awesome stuff coming. I'm interviewing an awesome guest tomorrow. I'm going to keep that a surprise though. Um, I'm doing a collaboration with someone, big name in the fitness space, essentially tomorrow. And that's going to be coming in two weeks time, right? So over and out.